live and local. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. Streaming live on 1037 The Game mobile app and online at 1037thegame.com. This is the Jordy Holtberg Show. Hey, baby, we're going to be here all day. Call us up at 337-706-0111. I like this kind of party. Now, here's your host, Jordy Holtberg. And a great good afternoon on this Thursday, June 2nd, the year 2022. An LSU fan sneaks in to the dining area at the SEC spring meetings and makes an offer to one Nick Saban. We've got a couple of retirements in the NFL. We have an NBA player who has joined rarefied air. And we've got baseball regionals. And we've got the NBA finals all beginning today. It's great to be with you. I am Jordy Hultberg. I am here in Studio 1A. My main man, James Mesh, back in the Master Control Suite in the Game Studios, which are on the campus of Delta Media, which houses KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette. We're also dialed in to 1041 in Lake Charles. And it's great to be with you. In whatever form or fashion that you do it, whether streaming, 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com, or simulcast in the Acadiana area, 32.3 on Stadium, 111 on LUS Fiber. It is great to be with you on a very hot, warm Thursday. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. An LSU fan. Um, Nothing quite like it. Nick Saban, the greatest college football coach of all time. He's won six titles at Alabama. He won his first at LSU. Been a long time since that 2003 national championship won in Baton Rouge. And one young LSU fan apparently has had enough. A high school junior from Louisiana, name protected to protect the guilty, um, broke in or snuck in to the dining area. He said, look, I'm a diehard LSU fan. I build myself up on Fridays thinking this is the year we're going to beat them. We're going to beat them. They have the lead, and then we, LSU, has the lead, and then they just blow up. I just think that I can't believe I just witnessed another Saban beatdown again. According to Saban, the kid offered him money to leave Alabama or to go back to LSU. According to Nick Saban, the kid offered me $5,000 to leave Alabama and go back to LSU. Well, I think Saban makes that in about 20 minutes uh, per day. Um, so valiant effort, young fella. Valiant, valiant effort, um, to say the very, very least. There will be no more Fitz magic. Um, Ryan Fitzpatrick, um, the enigmatic quarterback out of Harvard, who brought his Fitz magic to the NFL for nine teams spanning 17 seasons, announced his retirement today. And another uh, long, long, long time um, NFL player, the ageless wonder, Frank Gore. 39 years old, 
who last played as a 37-year-old in 2020 is officially, finally, hanging up his cleats for good. Gore will sign a one-day contract and retire as a member of the San Francisco 49ers on Thursday, according to the Mercury News. Um, Gore walks away from football as a number three all-time leading rusher in NFL history. Only Emmett Smith and Walter Payton sit above Gore on the all-time list. No one in their right mind would have known that. He had a rookie season with the 49ers in 2005. 2005. He has been around the block again and again and again and again. Frank Gore retiring from the NFL finally. Uh, If you can't beat him, join him. Michael Jordan is a basketball billionaire, but he's not playing anymore. LeBron James has become the NBA's first active player worth $1 billion, according to Forbes. He made $121.2 million from May 2021 to May 2022 in on-court salary and off-court earnings. According to Forbes, the total trailed only that of Lionel Messi, who made $130 million, reaching $1 billion. Well... As LeBron said back in 2014, I want to maximize my business. And if I happen to get it, if I happen to be a billion-dollar athlete, oh, hip, hip, hooray, oh, my God, I'm going to be excited. May not be excited about the Lakers, but is excited about his wallet, to say the least. In baseball, all of the Louisiana teams get ready to start their regionals on Friday, LSU, who will be playing in the Hattiesburg Regional, opens up as the favorite over Southern Miss, who is the hosting regional. Odds makers set LSU price at minus 120, while the Golden Eagles sit at plus 140, the second favorite to win their regional. The Raging Cajuns, fresh off their Sunbelt Championship win over Georgia Southern, will be playing in the College Station Regional. UL has the third best odds to win its its regional with their price set at a plus 550. Texas A&M plus 100 is ahead of them as the favorite along with TCU at plus 190. Louisiana Tech's baseball club fresh off its Conference USA Tournament Championship will be playing in the Austin Regional tied for the second best odds to win its regional. Caesars Sportsbook has the Bulldogs price set at plus 320 behind favored Texas, who comes in at minus 120. And finally, the Southeastern Lions started the season 8-18, 0-4 in conference play. Thrilled to be back in postseason play. They will compete in the Auburn Regional. Of the four Louisiana schools participating, the Lions are the biggest long shot to win their respective regional. Their price is at a plus 1,300. Auburn, plus 150, is the favorite to win that regional, just ahead of the UCLA Bruins at plus 190. So LSU, the lone favorite, albeit on the road, favorite to advance from the regional and go to the Super regional. Let me tell you what we have in store for you and yours uh, today. Scott Watkins will join us here in a few minutes. Uh, he covers Southern Miss um, and, and and has been around. We'll get an idea of what to expect from this regional. We'll find out about 
Southern Miss's version of the Vandy Whistler and some great places to go if you're an LSU fan to, to wine, dine, and relax between games. Uh, Michael Huguenin will join us at around 2.35 this afternoon. The SEC meetings are, are underway, as we well know. NIL, um, transfer portal, scheduling the biggest topics. Um, and we'll get uh, Michael Huguenin's uh, lowdown and his thoughts on that. We'll begin hour number two. Grant Hughes will join us, uh, our NBA feature reporter from Bleacher Report. It's the NBA Finals tonight, Boston versus Golden State, game one in the best of seven series. Uh, and it comes tonight from uh, from uh, San Francisco and Golden State. It's an 8 o'clock tip, so we'll get the lowest, uh, latest on that. The big controversy in golf is the LIV Tour and um, all the repercussions that come from it. Um are they going to lose sponsorships, players that go there? Are they going to be banned from playing on the PGA Tour? Uh, we'll see, as the PGA Commish has drawn a line in the sand. But that didn't stop Dustin Johnson from joining in. And they call it the LIV Tour. That That's Roman numerals for 54. That's how many holes these tournaments play. It's, a, it's not a four-round golf tournament. It's a three-round golf tournament. But the prize money is ridiculous. We'll talk to former PGA Tour player John Peterson about that. And then our good friend Ben McDonough will share his thoughts on all the regionals. He'll be covering the Tennessee Regional in Knoxville. But we'll get his thoughts on the Tigers, the Lions, the Cajuns, the Bulldogs, oh my, all coming your way today. And we look forward to that. Uh, and we look forward to uh, the game's big birthday bash. And this is your invitation to party with us as we celebrate 10 years of being Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Join us at Buffalo Wild Wings on Ambassador Caffrey on Wednesday, June 22nd. There'll be delicious wings, amazing door prizes, and appearances of people like me and James Mesh and everybody else that's involved uh, here. Um, yes. Uh, by, by the way, crunch time with Miguez and Mesh will be broadcasting live from the party. So come, uh, don't ask me to be a guest because I refuse. So come join us at B dubs on Wednesday, June 22nd, uh, from uh, five to nine, five to nine for the game's 10th birthday bash. So there you go. All right. Uh, James, don't ask me to be a guest on your show. Okay. I'm not going to do it. Not going to do it. I'll be I'll be eating wings and and hobnobbing with the folks out there. So anyway, uh, big day plan. Let's let's go to Hattiesburg when we return, and uh, we'll get the latest from the Hattiesburg Southern Miss Regional. Tigers are there. They've already worked out. They've had some press conferences, and uh, we'll hear from Scott Watkins. Uh, this is the Jordy Helpert Show. You're listening to the game 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. We are your home for LSU sports in southwest Louisiana. We'll be right back. Jordy Holtenberg is known far and wide as the Blonde Bomber. For the perfectly feathered golden mane he rocked back in the day at LSU. Just let your Just let it shine the hair may not be as golden or as long, but Jordy is still making a name for himself. 
Back to more of the Jordy Holtberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Well, the LSU Tigers have made their way to Hattiesburg, and uh, Tiger Nation's about to uh, head there as well. We welcome on on the show from uh, the Sun Herald. He covers Southern Miss sports. Uh, Scott Watkins, kind enough to join us, kind of give us a, a vibe of what's happening in the Berg and his thoughts on this regional. Scott, thank you so much for your time, man. How you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Look, I, I read your bio. It said you were the fourth grade spelling bee runner up. What was the word that got you? You know, ironically enough, the word that got me was alcohol. And I blame that for my day drinking even today. <laughs> okay. Well, that's a fourth grader, so um, I can understand that. All right. Um, how's, uh, how's the traffic in Hattiesburg these days? Is it starting to pick up a little bit? Uh, you know, a little bit. I actually don't live in Hattiesburg, but uh, I, I live about an hour south. But yeah, on game days it gets a little bit rougher than than on than on days I got to run up there for a practice or whatnot. So I can imagine that this weekend it is going to be it's going to be a lot of people on the roads out there. Uh, I'm with you. Tell me about Southern Miss. I, I know LSU has to play Kennesaw State. Southern Miss opens things up against Army, but I think it's inevitable that those two teams are going to uh, to play. LSU relies on their hitting. I, I hear Southern Miss is a picture-heavy kind of a ball club. Yep. The uh, three best starting pitchers in this regional all played for Southern Miss in terms of ERA. Tanner Hall hmm. just today got named a first-team All-American as well. He's top 10 and Strikeouts, he's top 10, and strikeout to walk ratio, he's, he's top 10, and walks for nine. Uh, that, he, I don't think LSU will be looking at Tanner Hall. I think Tanner Hall is probably going to go tomorrow. But LSU is probably going to end up with Hurston Waldrop, who's hitting up 13.5 strikeouts per nine innings, which is crazy. Uh, there's Hunter Riggins, who's a, more of a pitch-to-contact guy, but he, he has a 2.75 ERA. And they've got a good bullpen. So, yeah, Southern Miss is absolutely very – very much reliant on their pitching staff this year. Yeah, second second nationally with a with a team ERA of three point one six. That's pretty that's pretty darn impressive. Um, LSU really uh, starting pitching wise, he got Michaela Hilliard, and after that, it's like pick your poison. We'll see. But LSU gets it done at the plate. Uh, and just to give you a little heads up, um, reports are now that uh, Jacob Berry. Uh, uh, took the bat and swung from the left side yesterday, not the right side. So he's a, he's a hundred percent. And a couple of other tigers, Kate Doty with a shoulder and Gavin Dugas with a hand will play this weekend. They're not a hundred percent, but they will play. So we'll see from that. Um, what, what, what do you get? Uh, what, what's the sense of this, um, um, this regional, nobody's given Kennesaw state much and nobody's given the army much. It seems like everybody thinks it's going to be a two horse race. What do you think? Yeah, I think Kennesaw State is going to get blasted tomorrow by LSU. I think that Army should not be overlooked by Southern Miss. When I when I take a look at Army and I look at their hitting profile, it reminds me a lot of what UTSA does, which is poking holes in the outfield with just singles, just a barrage of singles. they got a team batting average over 300. And that's what UTSA did to Southern Miss, and they, they beat them twice in a row in the conference tournament last weekend. So the Golden Eagles had a problem with that kind of lineup, so – I'm not. I don't think the Army comes out of this regional, but I don't think that Southern Miss should overlook them. 
Uh, it's either going to be LSU or it's going to be Southern Miss. And it's it's going to be a fun one. I mean, I've seen people in national media talk about it. It's 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 must see TV because you've got this powerful lineup in LSU that is so three true outcome. It hurts. LSU is like watching a major league baseball team play. They're going to hit a home run. They're going to strike out. Or they're going to walk. <laughs> and then you've got you've got Southern Miss out there who's hasn't given up a lot of home runs, but they fill the zone. And it, we're playing in a park that is very friendly towards home runs. So I think okay. that this game, it's going to be fun. You're going to see power on power, and that's what everybody wants to see. Um, what, what, what's the seating capacity, by the way? The seating capacity, I believe it's around 4,300. The park, I believe, I don't know what the average attendance is this year, but it is about 110% of capacity. We've got this thing out there called the right field roost where a few hundred people will watch the game from their trucks, and just it's kind of a tailgating atmosphere. Uh, so okay. they've hit 5,000 people a couple times this year. Well, I guarantee you they're going to hit that um, quite easily, and I'm sure the secondary market will uh, – uh, LSU travels. They'll, they'll be there. I'll be shocked if um, you don't see a, a hell of a lot of purple and gold in those stands. I, I just I – can, I can guarantee you uh, that one. Um, so you don't live there, but you travel there a lot. Um, people excited about this? Um, I mean, you know, LSU is a pretty big name when it comes to college baseball. Of course, of course. Uh, where I'm at specifically, there are a lot of LSU fans. So I do think there's there's going to be a lot of purple and gold. Um, I, I think looking at it on TV might be hard to tell who's who. With a, It's kind of a gold-on-gold gold battle up there. Yeah. Even got Kansas State as a black and gold team. And Army. And yeah. a little bit. Got, got black. So there's going to be no telling who's who when, you, when you're watching this on TV. But, uh, yeah, there's a lot of excitement right now, uh, especially up in Hattiesburg because – this team, they've hosted a regional three times now, but they have never made it out, and they've never made it to the Super. So they, I think there's a feeling that this team this team might be the one to do it. Okay. Um, when when uh, we, we talked about Southern Miss and their pitching prowess, uh, let's talk about them when they have the bat in their hand. Yeah, they're a, they're a good hitting team, good all-around hitting team. And they, they spray the yard, doubles, triples. Well, not triples. Nobody hits triples in Pete Taylor Park, by the way. Um, home runs, singles, I mean, they they do a good job of that. But their biggest issue, and this has plagued them all year long, and that's getting somebody from second base, getting that second base runner to home. They're not good with uh, runners in scoring position. That's been the thing that's bit them in big games all year. All year. Uh, just I've seen them go like 2-15, and 2-16 and 16 with runners in scoring position. It, it's hard. They're not mm. athletic. Uh, they don't have a lot of speed at all, so – Getting somebody from second to home on a single is often a tough task, and you saw it in, in the conference tournament. They got aggressive because they knew they had to, and sending sending slow runners from second to home, and sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't. And I think we might see a little bit more of that in regional play as they try to force the issue. Now that you know they've had a full season of this problem where they've really struggled taking advantage of scoring opportunities. 
All right. Uh, Scott Watkins from the Sun Herald joining us. Um, you mentioned Army making its fourth straight appearance in a regional all under head coach Jim Foster. Um, so what, what he couldn't do it at Rhode Island, but he has certainly done it at Army. Um, and then there's Kennesaw State, who went six and nine against teams in the field, including a four and four record against fellow Ace Sun member Liberty, which received an at large bid. I would think Kennesaw State out of the four, even though they're the number Number three seed might be the the uh, least talented club. Is that would that be fair to say? It's always tough to tough to look at that when you have strength of schedule differences so massive between yeah. Kennesaw State and Army. Uh, Army out of the Patriot League. I mean, they played a lot of games from up in the Northeast, and there's not a lot of baseball teams that come out of that region that are very strong. Kennesaw State, on the other hand, they've won games against both Georgia Southern and Georgia Tech this year. So they can sneak up on somebody uh, mm-hmm. for sure. But like I said earlier, their pitching staff, it's its so rough. I've never seen uh, pitchers with such a big difference between their individual ERA and their FIP, their fielding independent pitching, which just takes in you know home runs, strikeouts, and walks. Uh, I think the guy that LSU is going to see, uh, it'll either be, I don't know if you know it, it'll, it'll either be John Bezicek or Jack Myers. John Bestacek's ERA is three seven five, which is great. His FIP is six two four, which is horrible. That means he's given up a lot of home runs, and that's going to play directly into LSU's hands. Yeah, yeah, very good. Uh, I did not know that. I'm glad you did uh, the research. Um, uh, I, I, LSU fans like to eat, drink, and have fun. Um, if you're familiar with some some places in Hattiesburg that uh, might be a good place to go frequent, uh, are there some there? Oh yeah, there's a lot of places to eat in Hinesburg. Uh, there's there's a lot near campus as well. I've been to a few spots. Uh, I was just thinking. I was trying to remember the uh, the name of the restaurant nearby. It's kind of a record shop and a cafe all combined into one. It's really nice. And uh-huh. if you're looking for drinks, I like Fuzzy's Tacos. They have good drinks there. Um, and okay. really, that whole area is really nice. If you're sticking cool. around all, all through the weekend, uh, if you're looking for a breakfast place, you have got to go to the Midtowner. It's it the, is the best breakfast I have had in Mississippi so far since I've been down here. It is the it's fantastic. Okay, the Midtowner. All you LSU fans, the Midtowner for your um, early morning after your hangover uh, the night before breakfast. Very good. Um, all right, so when push comes to shove, um, who do you think makes it out of this thing and gets to the Super Regional? Well, the way I see this happening, if if we got a Southern Miss, you know, LSU game, which as you said is inevitable, I think the park factors. I think that the way that Southern Miss pitches, and I wait, I think the way that they they hit the ball, I think that LSU's got the advantage because when LSU scores, it's not going to be because they scraped it across. It's going to be because they sent two or three balls over the wall, and Southern Miss is going to have to fight to get their runs. So I think that at the end of the day, at the end of the weekend. LSU has the slight advantage here. Okay, all right. Um, Vegas agrees with you. Uh, LSU is a uh, is a uh, favorite in in the regional, followed by Southern Miss. So so we'll see what happens. But uh, the Midtowner is the go to for breakfast, and there's a bunch of places you can't get a hotel room in Hattiesburg. So you'll be driving back and forth. Might be some late nights for you, big guy. But uh, but that's what you got in this business for to cover stuff like this. And so that's a good thing. So I appreciate the time uh, greatly and. Uh, have fun 
one starting uh, starting tomorrow uh, with two games on the front, man. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right, buddy. You take care. That is uh, Scott Watkins of the Sun-Herald. Again, on the LSU perspective, uh, the good news, Jacob Berry swung it from the left side. Remember, he's had that uh, that wrist injury, right? And he's only been able to swing right-handed. Well, now his better side is when he swings it lefty style. And according to reports, he was hitting bullets in practice yesterday. So that's a great sign. Berry is uh, LSU's leading hitter. He's missed the last several games and hadn't hit from the left side his better side since fracturing uh, fracturing his finger a while back so that's great news and again Kate Doty with the shoulder Gavin Duga with the hand uh, will play this weekend neither one is 100% at this time but you get those three guys back and boy that certainly helps certainly helps for LSU to try and survive and advance survive and advance that's what the tournament is all about. So we thank uh, Scott Watkins for that report from Hattiesburg. If you want to see the Astros in person, then listen up. The game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with our latest Astros weekend getaway. Houston takes on the Chicago White Sox Saturday, June 18th, and you can be there. Register. In the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com to score, get this, four tickets, a tour of Minute Maid Park, that's cool, and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. Astros weekend getaways are powered by Butcher AC, Lay Meridian, Houston downtown, and the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. So uh, take advantage of the opportunity. Join that clubhouse because it just makes sense. All right. You are listening to the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. It's your home for the Houston Astros in southwest Louisiana. The line of the day came from uh, Scott Woodward, who said about the argument between Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher. And I'm, I'm trying to get it so I can quote it absolutely to perfection. He go, okay. Uh, Woodward said, I'm not going to get in between two hillbillies fighting from West Virginia. That's a no-win situation. Scott Woodward, you're the man. We'll get the man up next. It's a uh, normally on a hump day, but we were preempted by the Astros, who were winners yesterday, by the way. Uh, so we'll catch up with On3.com's Michael Huguenin on a Thursday. After this timeout, you are, you're watching the game and you're listening again to the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Not only your home for the Astros in southwest Louisiana, but your home for the LSU Tigers in southwest Louisiana. We'll be back. Uh-oh. Do you know what day it is? Huh? Anybody? It's time for Jordy to break down the biggest storylines in college athletics with Mike Huguenin of On3.com. Mike, 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 Mike. What day is it, Mike? Here is Hump Day with Huguenin. On the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Michael Huguenin, on a Thursday, it's better than not having Michael Huguenin at all. 
Michael, good afternoon, man. I know you're busy, but thanks for the time, buddy. What's happening? Not much. Um, sort of a lull in some respects, though. I guess the Women's College World Series starts today. There's yeah. The baseball, um, NCAA baseball tournament starts tomorrow. And we're in June, which means a heck of a lot of official visits. But uh, if you're not a baseball or softball fan, yeah, there's not much going on unless you're a <laughs> hockey or NBA fan. <laughs> I hear you. Um, uh, let's see. The um, the spat between Jimbo and Nick seems to be over. They're moving on. Uh, Saban said, I didn't see anybody did anything wrong. Really? Really? Well, yeah, yeah. Again, I mean, we talked when, when it happened, uh, <clears throat> the phrase, the, the, it was a question of semantics because, uh, you know, he said Texas A&M is buying its players. Well, technically, that's real now. Uh, I think it carries a bad connotation, but. Um, if, if he had said Texas A&M is using NIL to its advantage, it would have meant basically the same thing, and obviously nobody would have gotten irked. No, Jimbo, heck, Jimbo may have gotten irked anyway. Who knows? But, um, yeah, I mean, it, it appears at least publicly that the waters are calm. But what's that old saying about uh, a duck? It, you see a duck on the water, and it looks calm, <laughs> looks like but below the Sounds surface, like a duck. It's, it's yeah. legs are churning. So my assumption. I guess, did we lose Michael Huguenin? If we did, let's try and get him back, James. Um, and if we did, I will um, let you know about Hello? this. Oh, is that Mike? Yeah, I think so. Okay, there you are. I don't know. It went out for some reason. Okay, good. Great, 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 great. Um, is the SEC, in your opinion, going to go to an eight-game schedule, SEC uh, eight-game league schedule, or a nine-game league schedule? And what yeah, what would be the benefit of either? You, you can't expand to sixteen and continue playing eight-game schedules. Um, I, I still think a pod system is the best way, but evidently, not enough people think that. Um, but I, I think Sankey has a psalm quoted saying, you know, this, this once every 10 years thing is ridiculous. And he's right, because there, there are some schools that have, have played once at Texas A&M in 10 years, all that kind of stuff. So it, it, it's important to me, if you're a conference member, that you actually play all the teams in your conference at least on a every three year basis, and there's no reason they can't get that done. Um, obviously, though, it would have to be a nine game conference schedule. Maybe I, I've seen a lot of uh, talk about three permanent opponents mm-hmm. and the other six change every year. Fine, just, just I think that's, get it done think now before yeah. Texas and Oklahoma get there. Make the yeah, decision and start moving toward that. I think that's the best way to go. And then that keeps some of the, you know, these old rivalries together, but then it changes things up as well. Uh, I think LSU fans, some LSU fans love the LSU Florida matchup uh, every year. Some are sick and tired of it. So I don't know what the answer is there. And, but, and also I think as good as the SEC is, I don't think anybody cares if their team plays South Carolina. I don't think anybody cares if their team plays Vandy. Well, the the the, the obviously the, the annual win, Mississippi State, Kentucky, even Missouri. So there's a lot of you know. I guess you sort of grit your teeth. Oh look, we got two great every year opponents, and we got one dog. So that yeah, that might it, be what, right. what 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 it ends up being. But 
and maybe Arkansas, Missouri people, hey, yeah, we're, we play every year and we're close and we can drive. But yeah. you know, again, if you're if you're a Florida fan, uh, I don't care about playing South Carolina every year. And I think I would imagine if I'm an LSU fan, I really don't care about playing Mississippi State every year. Uh, I'm of the belief you play one really good non-conference opponent. That's one game. You got nine conference games. That's 10. And you stick two dogs in there because your coaches can't stand the fact that they have to play good teams every week. Um, so uh, I'd love to see John Calipari as a football coach because he plays everybody. Right. And yeah, you're right. That's it, it is going to be my, you know, we, you and I have talked about this for a long time, too. If it's a four team playoff, you have more than one loss. You have no chance. Exactly. Expand it to 12. Um, you know, a two-loss team, no problem. Heck, I think even a three-loss team might be fine. But I, I also agree with you. I think if you're an SEC coach, okay, our conference almost always is good enough that if we play one Power 5 non-conference opponent and we bring in two rummies, a group of five team and maybe even an FCS team, then that's fine with me because that's 10 Power 5 games a year. And, and, and it is hard to argue with that. Um, you hope that some of the egregiously bad FCS teams come off the schedules, but I think it's going to be the other way around. Well, we're playing a monster schedule, so if we bring in an FCS team that's won five games in five years, who cares? Well, your fans yeah. care. But right. um, well, I think it's, 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 it's seemingly, in talking to people, who are at the meetings and all that kind of stuff. It's a given, I think, that they're going to go to nine conference games. I think athletic directors are looking at the costs of coaches' salaries, assistant coaches' salaries, the cost of doing business, and you're looking at playing whoever, Kennesaw State or whoever it may be. Um, nobody wants to go see that in Tiger Stadium. They're no, not going to have a big crowd. They're no. going to lose and the I concession think- stands. They're going to lose the programs and all that stuff. So... I'm sorry, coaches, but we got to get better teams in here because we need people to stick around and stay and play and pay. Right, and pay and pay your salary. And also, you know, <clears throat> college football is an entertainment thing for TV. And yep. the more good programming you can provide, the more money you're going to make. I mean, I think if you're ES, you know, ESPN, whoever gets the, the, the contract, <clears throat> if you're – Telling them here, here's you know we, we're we're trying to get rid of the true rummies on our schedules, and maybe you get an extra couple million bucks because no one wants to sit there and watch Florida play Idaho State. No one wants to play uh, watch LSU play Southeastern Louisiana, um, Southern Miss. That's one thing. Um, it's and Southeastern actually is not a bad FCS program, so that was a bad one to pick. But there's too many SEC teams playing really, really horrible. FCS opponents and that that doesn't that doesn't that's not good for anybody. I'm with you, Michael Huguenin on three dot com. Is it safe to say that uh, uh, Arkansas's coach, um, Coach Pittman, Sam Pittman, might have been um, one of the better hires, one of the surprise hires? He's just got a new contract extension through 2026. Um, did you foresee the success that he's had? No, um, but he's you know the, the first year he was there they they still I think only won three games and last year they were noticeably better the uh, the program seems to have stabilized it's, it's they're a hot deal in Arkansas again um, but 
you know, to me, this is part of the issue with college athletics. He's had one good season. Boom, we're going to extend him and give him a raise. Well, maybe you should wait till he has two good seasons because let's 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 say KJ Jefferson um, takes a step back or gets hurt or something, and Arkansas goes four and eight. Mm-hmm. All the momentum's gone, and that's that's the thing I think. ADs live so much in the moment, and you know, you and I talked about this too during the during the COVID shutdown. Every AD was bemoaning the the financial situation at his school, and yet here we are, less than a year out. No, no problems. We got no problems at all. Uh, you're spending money again. Like it's some of the stuff they're doing. I think does not make financial sense. And again, I think Pittman is a good coach. He knows what he's doing. I personally would not have rewarded him, though, until he had two good seasons in a row. Gotcha. Michael Hugan on 3.com. Gene Chizik left uh, coaching. He got a gig in television with the SEC Network, and then Mac Brown called him, and Gene Chizik went back to coaching at North Carolina. It seems to me Chizik has an underlining meaning here. He's thinking, Mac Brown ain't going to be around much longer. I can bo- move up and become the head coach at Carolina. That's, uh, you know, that's... That was brought up. Uh, I brought that up with a couple people when, when it was announced, and I'll be honest. Um, yes, Chizik won a national title, but I don't know if a lot of folks think he's a really good head coach. I think he is a right. solid defensive coordinator. He was at North Carolina before, so he's used to that environment. Um, Matt Brown certainly has ramped up their recruiting. Um, they, they have some really interesting defensive pieces for him to, to use this year including a transfer from Virginia, Noah Taylor, who's an outside linebacker who has legit NFL potential, and he could be a star this year as a pass rusher. And I think Chizik, he replaced uh, Bateman, who's now the Florida inside linebacker coach. Bateman was, three years ago, was a hot commodity. And then North Carolina's defense fell off the table, especially last season. They were just horrendous. He gets fired and moves to Florida as a position coach and in comes Chizik. There is some interesting talent there. Um, Tony Grimes is a good corner too. So I think Chizik can make a can make a big relatively big splash this year uh, with that defense. And you're right, Matt Brown, there were rumors last year that he was going to step down. I don't think he wanted to go out with the season they had. They really underachieved last year. But you're right, it does I think put the idea out there that Chizik's back now. He does have a track record, though I would argue his track record uh, as a head coach, other than that one magical season with Cam Newton, is not a very good one. Michael Hugan at On3.com. LSU's won some championships. They won one with uh, Nick Saban. Uh, They won one with Les Miles. They won one with Ed Orgeron. That tells me those last two that I mentioned that uh, Brian Kelly certainly has a chance to become uh, a national championship coach um, if he he can recruit and and get the right coaching staff and all that stuff. Um, If you had to pick, if you were the the president and you have said, okay, this, this um, coaching search is down to two. It's down to Les miles and Ed Orgeron. Who would you take as your coach between those two? Oh my God. <laughs> how about that? For, how me, about that man. one from, from uh, left field? Wow. Uh, but it, but I, I guess right now I'd take Orgeron because miles, I think is tainted for, for a couple of reasons, but, um, but I think, yeah, if you're an LSU fan, the idea that 
Les Miles and Ed Orgeron won national title. Huh, Brian Kelly yes. is a better head coach than those guys, unquestionably. No, no question. Um, the cultural fit aspect is important. I think Brian, you know, Brian Kelly recruited well at Notre Dame for all their recruiting restrictions, and because they have legitimate academic restrictions. And as you know, I've said on your show before, I'm an alum of an SEC school. Outside of Vanderbilt, SEC schools ain't exactly tough to get into for athletes. That's so right. um, Kelly can get more guys into LSU. Um, it, it always it comes down to quarterbacks. He's had some success with quarterbacks, so I would argue he's never had an elite quarterback. I think he can get an elite quarterback um, at, at LSU. Extremely interested in seeing how they do this year. He was really heavy into the portal, brought in yeah. some interesting guys. Yeah. Um, his guys need to pan out. Bernard Converse, um, the, the Miles Frazier kid, the other mm-hmm. offensive tackle they brought in, those guys need to play well. And Jared Bernard Converse is a all Big 12 first team, and he can play. Um, so th- if if this year, if the all the transfer portal guys hit, this is going to be a pretty interesting LSU team, and that just bodes really well for the future. Um, but I think this year is important for, for Kelly. But, yeah, I mean, I think he is a good head coach. He's a better head coach than, he, than Orgeron or Miles. Like you said, though, it all comes down to how good the staff because those guys had good staffs, and it comes down to the players. I think that Kelly will be able to get players, which means, okay, how good is this staff? And that's what we're going to find out starting this fall. Mike, Les Miles, he's done. He'll never coach again. Do you think Ed Orgeron will be a coach aspect, again? Yeah. Do you think yeah, Ed Orgeron will, will coach again? I think he's done, yeah. Both of them? I think Orgeron, I can see trying to get back in. Um, I think that Orgeron, you know, he, he is who he is. Personally, he's got rough edges, and that's fine. A lot of coaches have rough edges. I think the interesting thing about Orgeron, uh, a discussion among some of the writers that I work with, you look at some of the coaches today, you know, Ed Ed Orgeron's an old-school coach. Um, There's fewer, fewer of those guys around. But Orgeron does for sure understand one key component, Always be recruiting, man. He is yeah. a really good recruiter. I think he connects well with his players. Um, he's a really good defensive line coach. Um, I, I think he could get a group of five head coaching job. I don't. I don't yeah. think. He, I think he's done on the power five level, and wants, unless he wants to be a, a DC or something. But I can see a right. group of five school, especially one in the southeast, giving him a shot. Yeah, I think if his ego will allow it, man, he could go coach at Northwestern State. He could go coach at Nichols State. He could go coach at Southeastern. Um, yeah, I don't, just fine. Could, could but be, I don't know if his ego I, will I allow think he could that. Coaching Conference USA, I think, uh, or, or the Sun Belt. But you're right, the, the ego aspect, and some coaches find it hard to do that. But you know, what, what's, you know, one of the guys that fascinates me is Terry Bowden. He's coaching at Louisiana Monroe. He yeah. also coached at Akron, and he was yeah. the highest of the highs at Auburn. And, you know, some guys' coaching is in their blood. I think Orgeron is a football coach through and through. Um, I think that he will get a chance to be a head coach again, just not at the power five level. All right, Michael Huguen, and um, we will, we'll have to settle the Saban and um, – uh, Jimbo thing on the field, and I think Saban's going to yeah. rout him, man. I just, yeah, I, I think I that's, yeah, that's going to be an interesting game. And yeah, the, the, we're already talking about a game in October, and here we are in what June said. Yeah, so, yeah look, have, have a great weekend. Man. Have a great weekend. Thank you so much. We'll, we'll get you next Wednesday. All right. Excellent.
Thanks, Hi, buddy. Take care. Mike Hugan on three dot com. Um, today's the day that you're going to sign up for the game clubhouse. Not only is it free to join, but you'll get the chance to enter to win tremendous free gifts like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse. Mouth-watering steaks cooked to perfection, tremendous sides, and so much more. You can only score that $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse by becoming a member of the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. So go sign up today. You are listening to the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the LSU Tigers in Southwest Louisiana, and your home for the Jordy Heltberg Show. We'll be back. All right, welcome back. Uh, the Jordy Heltberg Show here on the game, uh, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station for the Houston Astros. And uh, the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com can help you with your date night blues. That's because once you become a member of our rewards club, you'll have the opportunity to win excellent prizes like a $50 gift certificate to the Half Shell Oyster House. We want you to help you with your lady out there for some delicious seafood, but you can only win that $50 gift certificate to the Half Shell Oyster House by joining the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. All right, let's set the stage for our number two. Grant Hughes will join us. We'll talk NBA Finals that get underway tonight. Boston at Golden State. Boy, the, the matchups are just intriguing. This ought to be a heck of a series. Um, the Warriors are the slight favorite in this thing, but... Celtics going to be a tough out. So we'll talk to Grant about that. John Peterson will join us. It's the LIV tour getting underway. The PGA is not happy. Some players have crossed the line. They're going to play anyway. What are the ramifications of that? And big Ben McDonald will join us as well. We'll talk more college baseball regionals as the Tigers the Cajuns, the Lions, and the Bulldogs up there in Ruston all trying to survive and advance. This is the Jordy Hultberg Show, and uh, you are listening to The Game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the LSU Tigers in Southwest Louisiana. Hour number two, straight ahead. Live and local, this is The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. Streaming live on 1037 The Game mobile app and online at 1037thegame.com. It is a Saints touchdown. This is the Jordy Holtberg Show. Hey, baby, we're going to be here. Call us up at 337-706-0111. I like this kind of party. Now, here's your host, Jordy Holtberg. That music, of course, poorly done by me, but if you get the gist, um, if you're an NBA fan, you know what that means. That means it's time for the finals, and the finals get underway tonight. In San Francisco with the Boston Celtics, the representative of the Eastern Conference taking on the Golden State Warriors, the representative of the Western Conference. It could be a really great series. There's so many great players. It's a great offense versus a great defense, but the other team that has the great offense is, is pretty good defensively as well, and the other team that's really good defensively has got some really good offensive players. Let's get it all sorted out. Grant Hughes from Bleacher Report. I'm really excited about this this finals matchup uh grant what, what's your uh what's your level of excitement 
Oh, I mean, it's really high. Just, I mean, as a fan, you know, I grew up a Warriors fan, and I, you know, even working in the industry, that's never that's never gone away. So this one, this one feels a little special just because of the road they took to get back to this point. Uh, but just, you know, from a from a more objective standpoint, I think, like you said, it, there's just so much talent in this series, and yeah, I really, you know, I think it's going deep, and I don't think it's going to be a five. You know, certainly not a sweep. I'd be stunned if it went less than six i have it going seven um and just the matchups and all the little intricacies are really uh you know just just really intriguing i i just I, you know i can't wait it feels like this this layoff between the end of the east finals and now has been been like three weeks last time these two teams met in the finals uh bill russell was the center for the celtics and will chamberlain was the center which takes me back to my youth the first nba game i ever saw was an exhibition game in new orleans and it was bill russell and will chamberlain they were walking out of the locker room together and i was there as a kid just looking i was between i mean like i could reach out and touch them literally um and i was there i couldn't believe how tall they were i was just a little kid i couldn't believe how tall they were but anyway um what what People fail to realize um, if both of these teams, uh, you know, Boston won a championship. It took them a while to, to navigate themselves back. They went through the draft to get things done. And Golden State, everybody thought, okay, well, you lose Kevin Durant, and what are you going to do now? And the fact that they did that in the summer of 2019, and they're back in the finals now after all the injuries, and it's kind of remarkable what Bob Myers and that staff has done for Golden State. Yeah, it's really surprising. I, I think I, I can remember watching the 2019 finals and it, it was, you know, you saw, you know, Durant and Clay Thompson, specifically when Clay Thompson went down and you knew it was bad. I remember thinking, well, you know, that's the end of this, right? Like this, this team's going to get too expensive. Durant's going to leave. We just saw the last of, of the Warriors as, as a dynasty. And, and I think, you know, I, I, looking back on that, it still made sense to think that just because, you know, the core was aging. The teams that stay together this long with a bunch of stars get too expensive to keep together. Um, it's too hard to replenish through the draft because you probably traded away a lot of picks or you, you know, you just don't pick high enough to, to really get that difference maker. Um, and so for the Warriors to have made it back and to have not, you know, looked to break up this group and same with the Celtics. I mean, how often have we heard over the yeah. last few years it's time to break Tatum and Jalen Brown up, right? Like that was always right. the fix. We got to, these got to. Okay. We believe in the culture we have, and we believe in our coaching staff and our front office, and we don't make some big panic trade. Um, maybe things will work out, and it, it did for both of them. Um, but the Warriors' you know, journey back is just uh, really one of the more improbable things in the league over the last several years. It takes years and years and years again, like I said, um, but they they figured it out, and they, they rolled the dice on some players, and um, – and boy, they they got it done. He's it's just amazing. Uh, they they took a, a flyer on D'Angelo Russell, and when I when they did that from Minnesota, I'm like, wait a minute, he's not he's not a fit for this team. What are they doing? Well, they realized that as well, and they used that to barter and get Andrew Wiggins. And how good has Andrew Wiggins been now? So, I mean, talk about a guy that you know it's not his fault he was the number one pick or that the Timberwolves signed him to a to a max contract before he'd you know done anything to prove he was worth that. It's just a guy that's in the right spot, and it's a guy that's now being asked to do only the things that he's great at and yeah. not be the number one option. 
And, you know, is he worth $30 million? Well, I don't know. If he gets the Warriors a title, you'd, you'd pay him anything, right? Like, <laughs> it's, it's all right. are off in terms, of, in terms of what guys are worth at that point. Um, but he's just a great role player. And, and the Warriors have the type of players around him that just let him do what he's good at. That's really, you know, as I think about both of these teams, that's really the key is you've just got to have enough depth and enough specific different types of talent. You've got to have shooting. You've got to have size. You've got to have smart players, unselfish players. But you also have to just put guys in positions where you're not asking them to be more than they can be. And, and I think that's really true. Again, that's a real common thread for both of these rosters. You think of the moves that Danny Ainge made back in the day, Kyrie Irving, Gordon Haywood, Kemba Walker, Al Horford, who is who is still there, but they reconstructed their lineup as well. Just two smart, well-run organizations. Yeah, and it's great. I, I really, I really like that these are the teams in the finals because you know we, this last ten years or so has been kind of the super team era, right? Where stars get together and you kind of right. worry about chemistry and role players right. later. And this as a change of pace or as maybe kind of a, a return to the priorities that I, I like to see in team building where you draft and you develop and you, and you, you know, you stick things out for more than a year. Um, it's exciting to me that maybe this is going to be, you know, the next 10 years will be a little more like this than, you know, who's going to sign together and get, you know, trades and, the next Brooklyn Nets kind of thing, or going back years ago, the Heat, or what you know, your super team, however you want to call it. I'd I'd be okay if uh, if we started building teams kind of like these two teams again. Grant Hughes, Bleach Report. I'm with you 100. percent I'm. I know. I always talk about. Look, it's a simple game. The team that puts the ball in the basket the most and the most consistently is going to win. But in this series. I think the, the the stat line you have to look at is the turnover category. Um, Boston, uh, their turnovers were through the roof against the Miami Heat, um, and the Warriors are that pesky kind of team. But but does anybody turn the ball over more than Golden State? Well, I think it's too. They, they, boy, you're you're dead on. They both have an issue. I think the Warriors kind of their turnovers tend to be more self inflicted. Yes. Um, you know, they, they're trying to make the, the home run pass every time. They're not into hitting singles and doubles. Um, and that's just baked into to how they play. Boston's turnover issues are kind of a little more concerning if I'm a Celtics fan because we just, you know, against the Heat, I mean, how many times did Jalen Brown just take it into three guys and just get the ball stripped? I mean, there were, there were quarters where he did it three and four times, and it just, you know, that was the only way that he could score, by the way, is by getting out and running because that Celtics half-court defense is so good. So, so definitely there's going to be games where turnovers just decide the outcome because both of these defenses are great. And the Celtics, I think, are maybe one of the best defenses we've seen in years and years. So the, the, the key to this series is who's going to take care of the ball because you're going to need – you can't give away possessions because yeah. it's going to be so impossible to score in general. I think that's going to be a huge factor. Nobody plays the game like Golden State. Constant movement of the ball, constant movement of players. Uh, but Boston has that defense where they can kind of – look, I know Marcus uh, Smart's going to be on Steph Curry, uh, but d- does Boston switch everything? Don't they have the type of team with the length and the quickness and the athleticism to switch everything? Absolutely. That's. I mean, they switch more in these playoffs than any other team. Um, they're going to do that. It's it's the right strategy against the Warriors. You go back to those good Houston Rockets teams, right, with 
you know, they won that was a couple of years ago. The Rockets won 65 games and PJ Tucker was playing center and they switched everything. Uh, it forces the Warriors to play more in isolation and play, you know, which they don't want to do. They want to just have everybody like a three ring circus offense where everybody's running around, you know, the ball's hopping. If you switch a lot, you kind of, you kind of limit how effective that stuff is. So, yeah. uh, you know, as I think about this series, the Celtics will switch a ton and so will the Warriors, but you know, isolation scoring is going to be a big deal. And a guy like Jordan Poole, who is, is the Warriors' best isolation scorer, at least in the last round, um, he's going to have to get it done because there are just going to be possessions that 20 seconds run off the shot clock and, and nothing has happened, and you just got to get a bucket. So so I think isolation scoring isn't pretty to watch all the time, but I think that's yeah. going to be something we'll see a ton of in the series. Golden State's really good when they go with that um, that whatever Death Star lineup, whatever you want to call it, and Draymond Green becomes their their rim protector, their you know their center. Uh, but Boston's got that Williams the third kid um, who's pretty effective yep. at knocking down, uh, blocking shots, and getting alley oops. Can they go small uh, if Williams is on the court? I think they're going to do it either way, just because that's, you know, how often do they just not do it, right? You know, Kevon yeah. Looney has been huge since the Memphis series, the Warriors center. Uh, but I think there will be times where, especially, again, going back to it, Boston's defense is just nails. And, and to try to find ways to score, I think you have to space them out. And, and that means playing small. So th- there's going to be stretches where Williams is just, you know, turning everything away at the bucket and just making it seem like the Warriors can't score at all inside. Uh, but I think they're going to do it anyway, just just because the alternatives are, what do you play Looney and, and Draymond Green a lot together against a team that, you know, you're giving them three guys now that they have to guard in terms of three-point shooters and the other two they can ignore? That's, that's, that's yeah. going to be tough. Uh, so, you know, the Warriors go small against everybody, but I, I think if, if things kind of bog down on offense, they may do it earlier and more often than usual the warriors will win this series if what if they do what i think they'll win the series if if you get you know one or two 30 point games out of jordan pool um because he's kind of the wild card i think curry thompson wiggins they're gonna you know be fairly consistent although thompson's been kind of a wild card but Getting that other guy, getting that extra scoring, I think could make make all the difference. Because again, just for the millionth time, man, it's going to be hard to score in this series. And the Boston Celtics will win the series if they do what? If they turn it over less than the Warriors do, just because okay. if they can win the possession battle and get more shots, just the, just the raw total of field goal attempts, I think I think Boston probably has the advantage there. Do you give any credence to the fact that the the Warriors have so much finals game experience and the Celtics have zero, or does that just not matter at all? No, I think it does matter, especially in a series that I think is so evenly matched and is going to be so close because, you know, look, Tatum and Brown have been in multiple conference finals and they're, you know, they're 24 and 25. So they have like a weird amount of experience for how young they are. But they've never seen the finals. Um, they've never been on the absolute biggest stage. And, and honestly, they've never played a team like the Warriors in a series. So the Warriors have seen everything. You know, they've seen LeBron. They've seen prime James Harden. They just beat Luka Doncic. They, they've kind of been through it all. So that, that, that has to matter, I think. Um, I just, especially when you're looking for any edge you can find. Um, 
key players. We all know about the superstars, but is there is you mentioned Jordan Poole being a key for the Golden State Warriors? Who's the who's the under the radar key for the Celtics? Yeah, I, I don't know if Marcus Smart counts as under the radar, uh, but I think mm-hmm. a huge, uh, an interesting interplay in this series is going to be. Can Marcus Smart and Derek White, who will probably come off the bench unless there are more injuries for the Celtics, can they make open threes? Because what the Warriors have done every series and throughout you know, the last eight years of this run is they'll dare guys that they don't think can make open threes to make them in, at high volume. You know, They did it with Tony Allen years ago. Yeah. They did it with a couple guys on the Mavs this past series. So if Smart and White can hit, you know, we're not talking anything crazy, like shoot 35% or 40%. On threes, then then the Warriors, you know, I don't know how long they can survive doing that, and they may need to do that. So, so for the Celtics, kind of their non-shooters making and taking good threes, um, I think I think that's a big deal for them because otherwise, I think the Celtics may have stretches where they really struggle to score too. Hmm. Very good. Um, Boston's been really good on the road. Uh, it, it's kind of tantamount for Golden State to take care of business at uh, at their billion dollar arena, isn't it? Oh, yeah, definitely. It's going to be a real test because, you know, Chase Center has been a good – the crowd's been good, surprisingly good, um, but it hasn't been like it was in Oakland where it was just deafening, you know, start to finish and and a really rowdy crowd. Um, And Boston's crowd has been probably the best in this postseason. So, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, the Warriors cannot lose a home game because then, you know, because they're just not going to win them all in Boston. They, They may be lucky to get one in Boston. Well, uh, we talk about Boston and their defense. Uh, the Warriors love to get it and go. You know, Draymond can rebound it and push it down the court. Uh, what's Boston's transition defense from offense to defense? How, how good are they in that uh, in that category? Well, they have the, the capability of being great because they've got a bunch of good athletes, especially their big guys. You know, Robert Williams, when he's healthy, is one of the fastest end-to-end centers in the league. But you also saw against the Heat, I mean, how many times did Jimmy Butler, you know, pick six steals where nobody yeah. got back or, yeah. you know, there were outlets from, you know. The, so the Celtics have the ability to be a good transition defense, but they, they get a little sleepy sometimes. Um, so if you're looking for cheap ones, the Warriors have got to capitalize. You're, I, think, I think what you'll see is every once in a while, Draymond Green, you can tell, from the beginning of the game, he gets every rebound or every inbound after a made bucket, and he's sprinting. He's getting it up the floor as fast as possible. So I think you'll see that just to kind of poke around and see if Boston's fully you know, engaged and making sure they're getting back. Do the, the Warriors uh, dare play a little bit of zone, especially when they go small, or do you think they just go man? I think they're going to play some zone. I, I think they, especially, you know, you may, they may do some weird stuff with Jason Tatum like they did with Luka Doncic where, you're, you know, even a box and one, right, where you just say, mm-hmm. you know, you other four guys, good luck. You, if, if, you, if Jalen Brown, if you want to be the, the, the primary playmaker, we're, we're good with that because, you know, especially if Tatum gets, gets on a run where, you know, he's just hitting pull-up threes and, and he's finding gaps in the defense, I, I think the Warriors are going to kind of mess with everything and, and keep changing it up because – Someone like Tatum, uh, if you show him the same thing, you know, for a full quarter, he's just gonna he's gonna find the weaknesses and, and figure it out. Austin's gone through a gauntlet, uh, but they've played 
the Milwaukee Bucks, who didn't have Middleton. They played the Heat, who didn't have Tyler Hero a lot and a bunch of other injuries. Um, it looks, looks to me the Warriors are rested, and they're getting players back, and they've got the extra home game in this thing. I I hope it goes seven, and, and, and I think the Warriors win it in seven. What, what do you think? I agree. That that's been my pick. Uh, you know, I, I but I've been kind of kind of I don't know trying to cover by saying my 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 heart thinks the Warriors in seven, but my head kind of feels like Boston in six. But I'm, okay. I'm going to trust the heart on this one. I just think, you know, <laughs> it, it it just feels like which is you know famous last words, right? But but it just feels like the Warriors. Uh, the Warriors kind of know how special this is that they're here again, and and kind of sentimentally, I think I think that's going to play play some kind of role where they're just. You know they'll be their absolute best because they're they're just going to have to be. If they're knocking down shots, nobody's going to come close to beating them. I'm sorry. And the be- you know what the best thing about this NBA Finals is? Kyrie Irving What's left that? Boston and Kevin Durant left Golden State, and they're both at home. And the teams they left are playing for the finals. So put that in your pipe and smoke it, you two, because y'all drive me. Cr- I'm so tired of them. They drive me crazy. Yeah, this has been a real a real uh, renaissance for teams built the uh, built the right way. I think I think that's one of the the best angles of this final. Well, you're the best, uh, Grant. You're always uh, so kind to 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 give us a few minutes, and it's always fun. And I greatly appreciate it. So thank you so much, and enjoy the finals. All right, thanks, Jordy. You too. All right, buddy. Grant Hughes of Bleacher Report. You know, it's the game's birthday. Can you believe 10 years? Well, this is your invitation to the party and to join us as we celebrate 10 years of being Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Join us at Buffalo Wild Wings on Ambassador Capri on Wednesday, June 22nd. There will be delicious wings, amazing door prizes, and appearances from your favorite 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles personalities, including Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh, who will be broadcasting live from the party. So come join us at B-Dubs on Wednesday, June 22nd from 5 p.m to nine o'clock five to nine for the game's 10th birthday bash james can you hear me james yeah i can hear you oh thank you you excited about that you're going to be brought a live broadcast in front of people that you're going to be watching your every every word listening and watching everything you do and say that'll be fun yeah it'll be it'll definitely be a little different (laughs) nothing like live tv live radio it's the best it's the best with a crowd in front of you Uh, it'll be y'all will be great y'all will be great okay um so we've got that going on this is the jordy helper show brought to you by cajun chef uh forever and a day cajun chef right there in saint martinville has been putting out the greatest products for you and yours um their hot sauce is decidedly different and just deliciously delectable. It just is. It's the best. Uh, I bring it with me wherever I go because when you travel on the road like I do and you go places, different states, different cities, they just don't do it like we do. I bring my Cajun Chef hot sauce, bang. I feel like I'm at home again. Try it. You're going to love it. Cajun Chef, it's the best by far. All right, the LIV Tour. We'll find out what the hubbub is all about. John Peterson, former PGA Tour player, NCAA champion, will join us after this timeout. You are listening to The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the Houston Astros in Southwest Louisiana.
time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. June 2nd, 1987. The Seattle Mariners select Ken Griffey Jr. with the number one overall pick in the Major League Baseball amateur draft. The kid would go on to become a 13-time All-Star and a 10-time Gold Glove Award winner. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. We shift from the NBA Finals to the PGA versus the LIV Tour to find out all the the nuts and bolts of this thing. And we go to our expert, John Peterson, uh, the superstar from LSU, a three-time All-American, the 2011 um, NCAA champion, uh, pro golf player, uh, and now just um, enjoying life and enjoying family and, and doing what he loves to do. And John's kind enough to join us for the lowdown. John, good afternoon, man. How are you? Oh, I'm doing fine, Jordy. Thanks for having me on. Uh, expert might be a stretch, but uh, well, no, no, no. You you've played between the ropes, so you know. Um, all right. So th- this seems to me PGA LIV. It seems to me to be NFL AFL NBA ABA. Uh, you know those kind of things. What 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 is the problem with the PGA and the LIV in your mind? Well, the difference here between those two leagues and you know their rivals um, is this rival league has infinity money. They just have unlimited money. Right. Uh, they they can do whatever they want, and the PGA Tour can't hang with them. They just they just don't have the money to hang with them, and they're scared. The PGA Tour is very scared. That's why you've seen the purses um, double and in some cases triple in the last couple of years because they've known of this coming and. Uh, they they are worried a lot of their players are going to jump ship. You've seen a lot of harsh talk from Jay Monahan, the right. PGA Tour commissioner, where he's going to ban guys if they go over there and all this. So, um, at the end of the day, when I played uh, from about 2012 till just a couple years ago, uh, I missed all this. So the purses were still small. You know, they didn't have any competition on the PGA Tour. And what this has done is it's made the PGA Tour better for all the players. As far as money goes, but they're scared. At the bottom, at the end of the day, the PGA Tour is scared. There's going to be a lot of guys that go over there, uh, and whether they're allowed to come back or not, you know, we'll see. Does Does the PGA have the right to to ban players? Can, I mean, don't, don't I see lawsuits left and right here? I do too, Jordy. I'm not a lawyer, and uh, I don't, I'm not even going to pretend to be a lawyer. Right, but me either. I can't imagine that you could ban uh, self-employed. 1099 employee from going and trying to make more money elsewhere. I mean, you don't, mm-hmm. you know, you don't fire your plumber, you know, six weeks into his job because you found a cheaper, a cheaper plumber and expect the guy to, you know, drug, get drug tested and all the crazy stuff that they're requiring uh, to go over there to the live tour. But um, I don't know. The answer to that is, is I'm not sure. I, I would assume there's going to be a ton of lawsuits, um, because guys are, you know, got Dustin Johnson going over there. He's the 13th right. ranked player in the world. He's made $100 million on the PGA Tour in 15 years. All of a sudden, he's going to make $125 million in one year to play eight events. It's a no brainer for some of these guys. And it's 54 holes. You're not playing four days, it's just three days. Um, yeah, it's a glorified wow. pro am. 
It, it, really, it really truly is. Uh, John Peterson with us. If, if you were still playing professionally and the opportunity presented itself to you and you knew what Jay Monahan and the stiff penalties that might go down from the PGA Tour, but you got the LIV Tour over here, what, what would you do? And what, what is there? Is it like crossing the, the picket line? Is, are you going to be looked down upon by those PGA players that won't do it? I mean, how does this work? The, the only guys that are really taking a hard stance against it are guys that are insiders on the PGA Tour. They're basically your Rory McIlroy's, your Justin Thomas's, those kind of guys that are they're getting handouts. May it not be cash, but in other ways than they have been for years to protect the PGA Tour, stay on the PGA Tour. So those guys have made a hard stance against the Live Tour. But the guys like Hudson Swafford and a guy like Taylor Gooch, you know, these guys are young. They're still in their prime. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're just going to go over there and make life-changing generational money for a couple of years. And if they're allowed back, you know, whatever, great. If they're not, they don't care because they're, you know, they're going to be set for life. So in my situation, yeah, hell yeah, I'd be over there. I'd be, I'd be going <laughs> in one second. Like it wouldn't take much for me at all to go over there. And, and I, I understand the argument about blood money, whatever, but if you've ever filled your gas tank up in your life, you know, you've bought Saudi Arabia a little. So, the hypocrisy is everywhere, and I'm I'm getting sick of it at this point. You know, pointing fingers and stuff. Just let the guys do what they want to do. Look, it doesn't. It, all that matters. I, look, I'm not a golfer, obviously, but what matters to me and what draws my eyeballs are the majors. So the big question to me is: Will the players who compete on the LIV tour, um, Dustin Johnson, um, will they be eligible for the majors? Would Would the PGA Tour? not allow the stars to come play in the biggest four events of the year? So none of the majors are run by the PGA Tour. All four of them are independent. Um, And that is kind of the whole kicker in this deal because, sure, you can go play your golf wherever you want, but as long as you can still play the majors, these guys are going to jump ship, right? So uh, Dustin Johnson's won a Masters. He's also won a U.S. Open. So those events he can't be banned from. You know, they they can't ban him from those because he's he's a champion. So the PGA and the British Open, I don't know what the RNA is going to choose. I would assume that they would work with the Live Tour because a lot of Saudi Arabian money has come into the European Tour, and hence the RNA in that area. And you know, whether they want to admit it or not, they have been financially supported by Saudi Arabia in one way or another. So. Um, I don't. I still think they'll be able to play the majors. I think these guys will be able to play all four of them. Um, I really don't see them banning, you know, major champions in majors. Uh, I don't want to sound out. like I don't want to sound goofy here, but why? Why Saudi Arabia in golf? They got a lot of desert. They got. I guess they got a lot of sand. They must be great getting out of the bunkers or something. But what? What is the affinity? Why? Why golf all of a sudden? Well, they they just want to dip into every sport. You notice. You know, they're getting into F1, they're into horse yeah. racing. They're, they're kind of in the elitist sport category. You know, that, that's what they so they do. I mean, they've got all the money. they just, you know, trillions of dollars over there. And if you've ever watched a Saudi Arabian golf event on TV, sure, it's sand and desert. But it's some of the most fertile soil in the world. So if you just plant any grass, it's going to be perfect. Wow. Um, and it, it's kind of like this oasis that comes out of the desert. So they're not playing all the tournaments over there either. This first one's in London. Uh, next week and then there's one there's actually a couple in the states 
Uh, and so, yes, it's called the Live Golf Tour, sponsored by you know Saudi Arabian money, but a lot of the events are are not there. Five years from now, will the Live Tour be alive and well? In your prediction, God, that's hard to say. Um, I, I really think it's they got everything riding on this year. They got all their eggs in one basket this year, and um, I, I do think there's an eight event schedule right this year. And I right. think it's the first event, the second event. I think they're going to start getting guys starting to call them and, and say, can I play? You know, they're going to see a James Piot who's never played a professional event turn pro after he wins the U.S. Amateur and go over there and make, you know, $450,000 for finishing 30th. Wow. You know, they're going to, they're going to start wow. seeing some no-name guys they've never heard of make a half a million dollars in a week and they'll be like, <laughs> all right, hold up. Where's the line? Where do I get in? <laughs> Let me ask you this question. Uh, I've seen Tiger Woods in Dubai. Uh, you know, any he, he building golf courses out there? I mean, would would the Saudi Arabians offer Tiger like whatever dollar amount it takes just to come play in one of the Live Tour events? And would he do that? Well, Tiger Tiger's been paid appearance fees for twenty years for going over there. You know, I mean, yeah. they, they've probably sent him a hundred million dollars over the years just to come play and just show up. You know, no matter if he shoots a hundred four times, but. Um, no, I don't think Tiger would agree to a contract. I don't think there's any money that would that would no. make him go over there. Some of these super rich guys that are at the top, uh, your Roy McIlroy's, your you know, I think Phil will do it. You know, obviously in the next month or so, I think we'll we'll hear that Phil's going to play. But I don't think Tiger, you know, okay. someone that's worth half a billion dollars, really. Right. You know what's what's the difference okay. in half a billion and a billion, right? When you're when you're that rich, I'd like, sure well, like to figure it out. I'd love to have the opportunity, <laughs> right. John. Come on. Yeah, it's a rounding error, but it, you know it'd be a great problem to have. But I just I, mean, I don't I don't see Tiger doing that. It, it's a fifty foot yacht instead of a thirty five footer. Come on, let's go, go big or go home, man. Come on, thirty five um, feet's just a big piro. That's right, exactly. On a on a on another note, um, how great is it to see what Sam Burns is doing? Um, uh, on the tour, the the former Tiger man, that, that that's great. Yeah, so I, I live in Fort Worth now, and and that tournament's in my zip code, right? Yeah. And uh, I talked to him after he won, and I don't know if y'all saw the social media post that he that he put Thank out. You. you know, everybody thinks that these these you know highfalutin golfers are going to fly private jets everywhere. <laughs> uh, he just hopped in. He just hopped in his car with his wife and drove back to Ruston from Fort Worth. Stopped in Bucky's and love just it. a regular guy in there at Bucky's getting himself some beaver nuggets and uh, <laughs> I love that about Sam. He's so approachable and love uh, it. He's, he's just a a very relatable person. So I, I love it for him. But Sam, I'm a big fan of Sam Burns. Okay, here's the fan in me. I, I need to know. Every time y'all win a tour event, you see the huge check. I mean, Happy Gilmore, the huge check. Um, do they make y'all wait? before you get paid or is it an automatic deposit on the spot how does that work well it's every wednesday after the after the tournament's over so sam would have gotten his 1.5 million dollars yesterday morning yesterday Woo! yeah yeah sweet so he and there's nothing taken out unless you play in a state with with uh state taxes so he he would have gotten all 1.5 million yesterday morning wow john peterson notification on your 
on your text. <laughs> you, 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 you um, teach me something new every day, and I love it. Thank you so much, man. Continued success, living the life and living the dream, and uh, we'll see what happens with this live tour. It should be interesting, but thank you so much. You bet, Jory, anytime. You're the best. John Peterson, the three-time All-American and PGA Tour national champion and PGA Tour player. Um, he, he doesn't get much better than that. Um, let's see. I've got to tell you that if you want to see the ad, oh, I've already done that. Uh, here we go. All right, Mabel's Kitchen, the game clubhouse. You know, it's free to join. You won't be spammed. You'll get the opportunity to enter to win free stuff, like a $25 gift certificate for Mabel's Kitchen at Cypress Bayou. Doesn't sound like much, but I'm telling you, you can get a heck of a lot at Mabel's Kitchen. Some comfort food, fried mozzarella sticks. How about a barbecue pork sandwich? Sign up for the game clubhouse today. You can win a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's kitchen every wednesday after the event automatic deposit sam burns 1.5 million in his bank account that's a pretty good day yesterday he can buy a hell of a lot of bucky nuts from bucky's wow all right uh we'll take a time out here when we come back it's time to talk to another great the golden spikes award winner all-American, number one draft pick in the MLB draft back in the day, uh, Ben McDonald, college baseball. The regionals are underway. We'll share his thoughts with us after this timeout. You are listening to The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the LSU Tigers in southwest Louisiana, brought to you by Cajun Chef. It's the best hot sauce on the planet. We'll be back. The Jordy Holberg Show prides itself on settling for nothing less than the best. This thing has a variety of nauseating aspects to it. Jordy has the best takes, the best guests, and let's be honest, the best nickname. The Blonde Bomber is cool as hell. I agree. All right. Let's play ball. Back to only the best on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Uh, we're back 42 minutes after the hour. I don't want to waste any time. Ben McDonald, the former Golden Spikes Award winner, number one pick by the Baltimore Orioles, and now one of the top um, college baseball, MLB baseball analysts, uh, kind enough to join us. Big Ben, back at home. How you doing, my friend? Man, I'm doing good. How about yourself? I'm doing terrific. So you're going to be uh, covering the Knoxville Regional. Um, yes. Is this one of the best teams you've ever seen, Tennessee, based upon what they have done this year? You know, Jordy, I, I've, I've been around the game like you have a long time. And I, I, I'll be honest with you, I, I don't know that I've seen a better team uh, than this Tennessee team. It's, uh, you know, normally with a team you can say, well, if you do X, Y, and Z, you got a chance to beat them. Uh, this team, I, I've not found a weakness in it yet. I mean, look, they lead the nation in home runs. They're third in the nation in runs per game. They have the best pitching staff in the entire country, and it's not even yep. close. I mean, no, yep. nobody's even close to them. They defend at top level. They steal bases. They do a little bit of everything. And so I feel, I feel like this is probably the most complete team I have ever seen in the college game in over 35 years. That's something. Um, let me ask you about LSU and the Hattiesburg Regional. Um, they take on Kennesaw State. All right. Uh, look, all these teams are good. They wouldn't be there if they weren't. But um, – LSU Southern Miss, I, I give LSU's the betting favorite to come out of this regional. What do you think? 
You know, I, there's a lot of ifs there for me. You know, does Jacob Berry play? Uh, every indication is he will. Can he hit from yeah. the left side? We don't know that yet. Uh, does K. Doty come back and play? I hear one report says he is, one report says he's not playing. If they miss that bat in the lineup, it, it makes it it makes it difficult. Southern Miss doesn't scare me from an offensive standpoint. They're going to score some runs, but I think they're just above average in that department. They don't steal bases. They defend pretty well, but what they do do, Jordy, Tennessee's pitch. number one in the country in ERA. Southern Miss is number two in the country in yep. ERA. They can really pitch, and they got some dudes in the in the bullpen that are outstanding, and they got two or three guys in that rotation that are really good too. And that's what scares me about Southern Miss. And you know, good pitching always beats good hitting, and that's the difficult part. Having said that, you know, it's really interesting how Jay plays it. I mean, does he run out there? I've not heard who he's pitching yet. Uh, does he go with Mikael Hilliard right away, or does he try to save Mikael Hilliard for Southern Miss and try to get bet, get by with Floyd or Money or somebody and then bullpen it from there? So there's a lot of ifs there. If those two offensive guys from LSU come back and, and they're healthy and they can produce, I like LSU's chances. Uh, but Southern Miss, man, don't don't overlook Southern Miss. Don't overlook Kennesaw State either. While, while their ERA doesn't look good, they got enough to beat you in game one. In other words, they got a really good starter. they got a couple bullpen arms that can beat you. Uh, if 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 they get that opportunity to do that, so it's going to be a tough region. Everybody thinks this one's not a tough region. It's a very tough region for LSU. So we'll see what happens. You've seen Texas A and M play. You've seen the the raging Cajuns from Lafayette play there in the College Station region. I call it the Jim Schlossnagel regional because he coached at TCU. Now he's at A and M. He's he's been involved all over the place. Uh, the Cajuns, dramatic dramatic win to kind of reminded me of the LSU Tigers back in A and M thirty something years ago, uh, winning as they did coming from behind and winning the Sun Belt Conference tournament. Um, is A and M the prohibitive favorite there, or you give some other? Teams a fighting chance. No, I, I think A and M's the favorite. Look, you you win nineteen games in the SEC in a thirty game schedule that says something. Uh, a big turnaround for for Schlossnagel, right? I mean, A and M won nine games last year. They missed out on yeah. everything, including the conference tournament, and yet they uh, they win the West this year. Uh, a really solid team, a team that really overperformed, and the only team in the SEC that hit higher in conference play than what they did overall. So they've kind of found their way. 15 new faces on that roster, 10 transfer portal guys, and it's kind of like a big gumbo for Schlossnagel. He kind of threw a bunch of pieces in there in the pot, and it all came out smelling like a rose, and he's got a really <laughs> solid team. College Station is a tough place to play, as you know, Jordy. But the Raging Cages are hot right now. They come in playing on house money in some ways, you know, yeah. and nothing to lose, if you will, and playing free and easy. So I think they're going to be competitive, very competitive in that region, but it'd be hard not to pick A&M over there. Boy, I'm intrigued by this Auburn regional. Auburn and then, I mean, what a who's who's name of baseball teams. Auburn, UCLA, Florida State, and Southeastern Louisiana, who went to McNeese and lost the first game of their best of two three two of three series, and then came back and came from behind and won the second, came from behind, won the third, walk-offs. I mean, my goodness, but what what an interesting regional that is. Yeah, I know. I think it is. And, and you know, I'm, I'm so happy for the Louisiana schools because they performed well when it mattered yeah. most. A lot of them got yeah. in the NCAA tournament, you know. And so it was good to see Matt Reiser's bunch over at Southeast and see them get in there. This this strikes me as a pitching regional with UCLA and Florida State. Auburn can pitch it, too. You know, there's going to be some offense around the league. As you know, offense has gone through the freaking roof this year in college <laughs> baseball. Like, it almost feels like the gorilla ball days of old is what it feels like. You know, I don't know. I can't put a finger on why. The only thing I come up with, the baseball seem to be amped up a little bit. But we're seeing 
so many more home runs than we typically see in the BB Corbett era. So I think the ball is going to be fine out of the ballpark everywhere. But this pitch is going to be a premium, and I think this this region has the pitching. I'm not sure exactly how much Southeastern has to pitch with. I know they're an exciting team. They always run. They always steal the bases. That's what Riser does. He puts pressure on defense, and then he wins a lot of games doing that, you know. But they'll have their hands full, certainly over at Auburn, no doubt about that. Nine SEC teams made it into the field this year. Just just remarkable. Um, how many do you think survive and advance to the Super Regional? Oh, that's a great question. Um, there's only two national seeds, so that's down a little bit for the SEC. But there's some other ones in there that could make some noise. I tell you, Florida is playing the best they have played all year long. Watch out for them over there okay. in the Gainesville Regional. You mentioned Auburn, too. I tell you, a team to look out for, I think, Although they didn't play well the last week and LSU swept them, but I feel like Vanderbilt has never really got it going this year. If you look at their numbers yeah. across the board, it's good. The number, you know, two ERA in the conference, the number three runs per game in the conference. But for whatever reason, they just hadn't got it going this year. You know, if Corpse can get his bunch rolling, I would not be shocked at all. But you talk about nine teams, I feel like probably five, five will come out and make it to super regional play. It would be a pretty good guess. You know, there's a there's a, always a, a rainbow at the end of a of a cloudy day, and you know, with all the rain at the SEC tournament, and you know, we're waiting, sitting here watching and waiting and waiting. Man, they played that hold the rope thing. I mean, day after yeah. day, I couldn't take my eyes off of it. Man, I got to see. I had Todd Walker on earlier this week, the greatest hitter in my mind in LSU baseball history, and you, the greatest picture. I got to see you guys and relive that stuff. Man, that was good, good. Good stuff. Yeah, you know, it kind of gets you amped up on the college game. It's a great game. It continues to grow, you know. And I think as years go by and the younger players watch that that show, I think they'll appreciate what Skip Bertman did for college baseball. And, and all the coaches that are out there right now tell you that Skip Bertman is the one that put college baseball on the map to stay forever. And he's no responsible for that. He had a plan. He had a vision way before anybody else did. And it shows in that video. So I'm happy for Skip. I'm happy they did that when they did it. Uh, it's a great story. It's so true. All of it, everything I watched about it is true. I mean, it's how it all really happened, how he built the program from nothing into something, into a powerhouse that it is today. And to the captain, Jay Johnson, I think Jay did well this year. This team performed yeah. well. I think they overperformed on the mound compared to what people thought they would have. It was a good run for them. You know, and Jay could have stuck Kay Doty out there, and he could have stuck Barry out there. The truth is, LSU was one win away, Jordy, just one conference that's win right. or one more win in the conference tournament from hosting here in Baton Rouge. That's the yep. truth of it. That's that's how close they were. So I think this LSU program will continue to get better. I think next year LSU will have everything at home. Jay's bringing in a heck of a class with the guys that are coming back. LSU's going to be around and be a name again in college baseball for years to come. Who was your manager your rookie year in Baltimore? Frank Robinson, the Hall of Famer, huh? Frank Robinson. Huh. So let's think. He had Frank Robinson. He had Dale Brown in basketball and Skip Bertman in baseball. That That's pretty yeah. darn, darn good, man. Yeah, I was fortunate, Jordan. You know, as a kid, and you went through it too, as a kid, as an 18, 19-year-old kid, you don't know what you have until years later. And how fortunate was I to be able to you know, grow up with Dale Brown and grow up with Skip Bertman and still growing up with, with a Hall of Famer, Frank Robinson, and some yeah. of the guys in, uh, that, that managed me over my career. So I was very, very fortunate. You don't realize it at the time, but as years go by, you sit back and go, 
I was pretty daggum lucky. <laughs> Tennessee Volunteers, maybe the best team you've ever seen in college baseball, top to bottom. Thank you so much, Ben. Uh, great calls this weekend for the regional. And, and who knows, maybe the Tigers, the Lions, the Cajuns, and the Bulldogs can survive in advance. We'll see. That's wouldn't why they that, play the game. Thank you, my great, friend. It's a, it's a great time of year. It's playoff baseball. Appreciate you having me. All right, buddy. Ben McDonald, kind enough to join us. You are listening to The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for LSU Sports. We'll be right back. Oh, what a fun, fun day. What a fun, fun show this has been. Special thanks to uh, to all, all of our guests today. We had uh, Scott Watkins, uh, who covers uh, the Hattiesburg Regional, uh, with his thoughts on that. Michael Huguenin with all things um, in the SEC and the, the, the scheduling and NIL stuff. That was great. Grant Hughes of Bleacher Report previewing the NBA Finals tonight, uh, Game 1 at Golden State. Boy, the Warriors better win this one. All the pressure in the world is on Steph Curry and Clay Thompson and Draymond Green and that group for tonight. John Peterson uh, with the controversy between the PGA Tour and the Live Tour, which gets underway next week in London. They're playing at the Memorial Jack Nicholas's tournament this week. Uh, and then Ben McDonald with uh, his thoughts on all the teams from the state of Louisiana that are still playing a little bit of college baseball, which all gets underway tomorrow. So tomorrow we will focus on that. We'll take you live to Hattiesburg. We'll take you live to College Station, Texas for reports there. And then the regular crowd will shuffle in. Larry Holder of The Athletic, George Faust from KLFY, George Becknell, James Mesh, and I will make our predictions as we always do. So um, thanks to all of our guests. Thanks to all of you for listening in in whatever form or fashion that you do thanks to you our partners that make it possible each and every day we just we couldn't do it without you so i uh, hope you have a great afternoon and even better evening come on back tomorrow same time two to four same great stations the game 1037 lafayette 1041 lake charles um and so until then i'm jordy helper stay thirsty my friends do everything you can to stay healthy my friends be kind to one another and let's be happy so long everybody